Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on February the 28th, 2023. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, taking a road trip to the border. Caffeine rage. On today's show, we will be discussing our February, Feb, uh, February, that was a very hard word to say for me for some reason, Game Club, Road 96. We'll be revealing our next game club, and we'll be having a bit of a general talk about our Progenitor game series sequel, KSP2. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. What's shaking, Megan? Uh, well, not too much, because I don't want to get into that topic just yet. <laughs> right. Damn well, uh, Blue Rockets. Yeah, I was going to say, spoiler alert, you were gifted a copy of KSP2. Yeah. yeah Otherwise. Yeah, out of the blue, I, I do appreciate it from Amy. I hadn't talked to her in a while, and just out of the blue, like I said, do, yeah. I am very appreciative of it. And maybe one day, you'll enjoy it. <laughs> oh, spoilers. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Another spoiler. Hardcore spoiler. Yep, I have not. Well, anybody that's it. been looking at the Discord will know that one. True, true. Um, yeah, but you have you... been looking. I have, I have been looking. Um, no, I, I uh, so I bought Phantom Brigade today. I haven't played Uh-oh. it yet, <laughs> but I bought it. It was I sold um, it to you, Darren. <laughs> you did absolutely. So I mean, I'm not. I haven't played it yet. Even if I had, I wouldn't be talking about it much mm. more tonight. But that uh, that's probably going to be on the the list for me next week. Yeah, uh, for me, it's uh, probably Squid Game uh, this week because right. Because you're a squid now. You're a kid now. You're a squid. You're a kid. And now I'm a giant squid. <laughs> oh my! So shall we? Shall we get back in the car and yeah. or bus? Definitely not call a taxi. <laughs> to head to Road 96. All right, what about a big rig? That's fine with me, Papa Bear. Oh, uh, does that make you Mama Bear? <laughs> I'll take it. I'll be Mama Bear. I'm not falling for that one. Yeah, tell the, the good folks about uh, the nature of Game Club. So Game Club is the time that we purposefully come together, even though it sometimes it's more often than that. Uh, once a month to play a game at the same time and then have a in-depth discussion about it. And for this month, we are doing Road 96, the non-linear story roguelite walking simulator. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually not sure where to really categorize this because I do want to throw it in a walking simulator because, right... There's yeah. Let's see what uh, uh, this is not going to be helpful, honestly. But let's see what Steam says that it fits under. Road ninety six, adventure choices matter, atmospheric, political. Uh, with expanding that narration, dystopia, multiple endings. Choose your own adventure. Exploration, emotional, procedural generation. That one's bullshit. Uh, single player, dynamic narration, political, non-linear, interactive fiction. Interactive fiction feels like a good uh, tag for it. 
Yeah. Or maybe a choose your own walking simulator. Mm, I, I'm not sure if I would put choose your own because uh, I have some so, problems with this game. <laughs> your choices influence to some extent. Yeah, so I've been doing some research. That, yeah, but the problem is you don't exactly get an option to do all the choices that you'd want. Right. So <laughs> let's 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 rewind a moment. Let's uh let's pick a new kid and start this adventure over. <laughs> because you you and I I mean, quite often we will have a brief conversation prior to the game club. List a, a thing here or there, whatever, you know, and then we do the episode. But we have had three conversations about this yes. game, one verbal and two via text. And so we're already in the weeds, and we haven't even really told the listener what the game is in case they didn't play it. So Road 96, I know we were like trying to categorize a little bit, but Road 96 is a non-linear adventure storytelling. Yeah, it's a non-linear storytelling interactive experience. Um, you are in a fictional country um, that reminds me of a Central American country and its geography and the shape of the land. I don't know I mean, where the developers me, are from, uh, but yeah, to me, the, at least theme wise, it screamed like North Korea. Yeah, I so you're in. Oh, sorry. So you're you're in the, the the game takes place in this country in 1996. No real world countries or anything are mentioned to my knowledge, or but long. you know it's right. Yeah, but it it roughly matches you know sort of the tech that you would expect from the 1990s. Um, the cars do remind me, though, of like an Eastern Bloc, you know, post-Soviet era stuff. A lot of things that feel like a lot of in there in that game or in the game. But you know, it's it's there's ocean on on both sides on the the east and west. You're trying to cross the border at the north, which is mountainous. Um, I don't really think it matters. I think you can kind of there's a varied amount of locations and sort of terrain. I think you could kind of picture it being anywhere but anyways the country is under a dictatorial regime which is on the verge of collapse um and you are trying to escape as a teenager as a group of teenagers you're trying to escape the country um before the collapse happens and it descends into anarchy and given the choices that you make through the game you can influence the air quotes, influence the events that play out, leading in several different major endings for both the characters you meet along the way and the fate of the country. Um, and that sounds like a really tall order and a lot of work to pay off, and ultimately I think both of us feel like it does not pay off very well. Yeah, I, I will agree that it it doesn't feel like the payoff is all that well, and I think it's down to a mixture of Oh boy, I'm going to sound like an asshole on this one, but let's go for it anyway. Writing quality along with just the medium that they're using here. Where, because it's oh, it's technically not non-linear, it's more just a randomized, you're going to get a story with this character now. You may have a long, long time before you encounter another that uh, encounter with that character. To the point that it kind of kills any momentum that the story would have. I mean, hell, I didn't beat a couple of the characters until late in my second run. Which is 
pretty far. Now, when you say second run, do you mean second okay. playthrough? Because each run, air okay, quotes, so, is so, uh, a... So, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so I had seven hitchhikers or kids or whatever. Uh, five made it. One was arrested. And one died at the wall. So, all right. Yes. So you have seven. Like each, I guess you could say playthrough, or each full go through of the the story is seven kids. Oh, actually, no. It depends no? on uh, your choices. I did not know that. I also but had it, seven. If if you have several that dies early on, it will be more than seven, and that uh, that accounts for the long time skip at the very end of the game to give you time for more runs if needed. Because I I did a little bit of digging myself, and essentially the only story that really matters to trigger in-game is Zoe's. Everyone else, it's kind of a sad story, even though it's not really. Yeah. You have to hit Zoe at 100%, and there, there might be a couple other triggers on some of the other characters. And uh, how the game works is, as you progress towards the wall, uh, you, you know, the border wall uh, to escape, you'll have a random encounter based on who you, partly who you haven't seen lately, partly on your mode of transportation, and also a luck factor, and also what you need to progress the overarching story. So you'll encounter, uh, let me get the character list up here. Yeah, there's, there's seven. There's Zoe, Sonia, John, Alex, Dan, and Mitch. Which count, they're always together, so they count yeah. as, you know, sort of one character from this standpoint. Fanny and Jared. Yep. Uh, and. I'm in the game. Yeah, oh, yeah. no. Oh. <laughs> oh. If you didn't play it, you'll find uh, out why mo- that's my reaction and then uh, momentarily. Mo- monkey, monkey's paw curls up one finger. <laughs> yeah. And depending on uh, your motor transportation and whatever ha- uh, whatever flags it needs to fall, uh, you'll start encountering characters more regularly. But it's still pretty random. And you won't start getting the main things that actually influence the story. Till like run four or five when there's a big story moment that always happens. Like uh Which well, one? The Zoe uh, prison break? Well not or just when the she Zoe tries pr- to cross the border. Not just the Zoe prison break. The Zoe prison br- uh, pr- uh prison break going into her crossing uh, over the border and if she lives or dies. Alex if he builds the bomb or not. Um Standard Mitch Finding out where Jared is going to attack, or when he's going to attack, all set up different uh, flags in the uh, in the game to give you uh, one of the various flavors of the three main endings, which is the anarchy, uh, the revolution, and uh, uh, fa- uh, fascism, with different various. Uh, Slight changes along the way. So there's two two different resol- revolutions because fascism. Uh, yeah, the, the, I assume you mean uh, fascism is essentially you know Tyrak wins. Uh, uh, I should say uh, democracy and revolution. 
Yeah, uh, democracy, revolution. revolution, fascism. Yeah. Uh, democracy, uh, Senator Flores wins. And depending on how many posters you tear down and uh, vandalize of the opponent, that does swing the vote as well. And also talking to people, getting them out to vote. Right? Yeah. And then there's other major things like Zoe getting across the border with uh, a, a stolen secret document uh, also influences things and that sort of thing. Yeah. So these characters that we're listing off, these names that we're just kind of saying, yeah. like, yeah, let's it's uh, let's go so, over each one. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. So there are like like we said, there's seven, kind of eight, but really seven characters that you run into that are all interconnected in some way um there's really kind of two three major plots going on yeah i would i would group uh sonia jared stan and mitch into one yeah yeah. alex john John and fanny and then zoe as a standalone yeah well zoe kind of uh is a offshoot of group two but is not part of the major group she's like a side player but she's the main player in the essentially the flagging system in most let's put it this way in most video games you would be playing zoe yeah that's that's her relationship to the story she is the protagonist of any other video game yeah so zoe it let's go well i have a list of characters here. So let's just uh, hit Zoe first since she's usually the first or second one that you'll meet just because she's that important to the story. So she is the daughter of the oil minister in the government and she's uh, feeling guilty about her lifestyle and she wants to try to change things. And she goes out on the road to do that. Eventually uh, she doesn't tell you how she got it. But she does get a hold of some secret documents that uh, show that this terrorist attack that happened 10 years before the uh, the state of the game uh, was actually a setup by the government to kill off the revolution that they then pivoted into a revolutionary attack uh, to try to assassinate the president. Yeah. And they use that as a power grab. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how I don't really have yeah, I don't really have any problems with Zoe. It's just no. where where she feels so important to the game. She feels almost very suish as where they they go through such links to put her in certain uh, situations, you know? Yeah, I think the most important or not most important. I think the Yeah, I guess the most important thing about Zoe is what you decide to do when she gets to the border. Yeah. I don't know if there's a way she can't get to the border. I didn't I haven't looked at the wiki for all the specific story details. Um of all the stuff I looked at, I did want to leave the opportunity for surprise for things that you saw that I didn't or choices yeah, I you think made that no I didn't. No matter what, she makes it to the border, but it's if she dies in the crossing or not. Yeah, essentially there's a choice that you're given to leave Zoe behind or help her escape, but that ultimately leads to your death. Mm-hmm. And so I chose to help Zoe. Yeah, I did too. Okay. 
Um, uh, well, we we'll use your list. I'm looking at the wiki. Uh, okay, to, well, to just look at the characters list. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna yours. go down one group than the other one because. Okay. So then we have my favorite character, Big John. <laughs> I like John. He was probably uh, uh, my second or third favorite. Yeah, uh, truck driver, part of the Black Brigade, which is uh, the revolutionary group trying to overthrow the uh, government. But he is all about nonviolence and trying to use uh, civil discourse and civil op- disobedience. Yeah. Uh, where he'll uh, do radio bro- illegal radio broadcast to try to rally the people and uh, he'll discourage the factions in his own group from uh, radicalization or try to depending on how choices come down or even if you get to make the choices which is part of the problem I have with this game is that they talk about your choices matter, but then they don't always give you the choices, right? Yeah. Uh, don't don't always respect the choices that you make, but we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah. Well, depending on uh, how things go down, uh, he. Well, okay. What happened to John in your story? He died. Franny, Fanny shot him and killed him at the end. Yeah. Same here. Shot him in the back. Yep. Although I mean, there is an yeah. ending where that he lives. Yeah, I did look into that one, and you pretty much have to have, like, a perfect ending to get him to live. Yeah. Which is really disappointing how easy it is to kill him. How easy it is to to really fuck up. And I don't know if that's supposed to be a commentary on life, or if that's just poor game design, but I, I want to save that for a little bit later, too, because I do have some issues with the video gamey portions of this game. The video but... game logic? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's John. Um, he was present at the original terrorist attack, mm-hmm. and that he lost ropes... his girlfriend at the time. Yep. Uh, it, it's also implied that's where he lost his fingers. Yeah. Um. But yes, and this is John's redemption, where that he's yeah. like, as you said, trying to influence them to do more civil disobedience as opposed to revolutionary. You know. Yeah, uh, and violent acts, yeah, and potentially plan, acts of terrorism. Yeah, the plan back in the day was a violent plan to try to kill Tyrak, uh, essentially with the truck. Yeah, uh, but things went awry, and a sub faction uh, decided to build a bomb, which gets onto Alex's parents, who die because of it, as well as Connie, uh, his girlfriend. So. Next up is Alex, the teenage quirky hacker, according to this. Yeah. I found him a little grating. Maybe it's just the I got him uh, several times in one run. Or or, or several times uh, in quick succession, I should say. And he does wear out really, really quickly. Alex is the one that I got pretty evenly spaced the entire game. And I always, I always enjoyed meeting up with Alex. He does, he is a, a nerdy, annoying teenager, but he's portrayed as being extremely intelligent. And he's making video games, like indie games, and things like that. This... Yeah, yeah, he does have a couple of lines where he alludes to the Rise of Battle Royale games. Uh, yeah. How, uh, maybe a hundred people could be playing this tank game all at the same time. Right? Yeah. And then what is some like they make a couple uh, and, of fourth and, wall breaking jokes about like epic games and yeah, 
I think they use the word Fortnite as well, but it's not like, well, Fortnite the Battle Royale. It's like, oh yeah, this could be ready in a Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Something like which that. Is, which is also a term uh, for uh, two weeks. Yes, it is a term for a a period of time. Yeah. But still, uh, it's... Uh, yeah, Fortnite. Fortnite, for, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it is, you know, they, they do that a couple times, which I think that they did it, uh, you know, like I said, a couple times. It was cute. They didn't keep doing it, mm-hmm. which would have been frustrating. So I think they, they played his character pretty well. Um, but yeah, he's trying to find out the history of his biological parents. Yeah, because um, he was uh, at the wall 10 years ago when he was just probably four or five. Yeah, he's, I think, 14 in current, in the game's, you know, present timeline. So, yeah, make him four. And he was able to uh, survive the attack, or survive the going down. And he was adopted by who we'll talk about next. And he found out that, yo, his uh, foster mom is not his mom, which, yeah. Does add some question of just how smart is this kid, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'm, I'm I mean, with so, so Alex is white and Fanny is black. Not not just white, uh, iridescent white. Yeah. But, I mean, I will say that, you know, kids don't know any better. If you're raised, and at four, four is not old enough to remember mm. other yeah. stuff. So, you know. And you... He, his well, mom well, could have well, been like, well, your dad was white, you know, and you, you came out white. Yeah, like, but, they keep, but, they keep, uh, but they keep pushing, you know, how he's like super genius and such. It's just right. Uh, yeah, that was that was a little beyond my belief, you know. It didn't it didn't bother me. But my, you know, my line I also of encountered is, him uh, quite a bit. So I 100 percent at Alex's story. Zoe and Alex were the only two I 100%. I 100%ed Zoe, which I'm pretty sure you're required to. Yeah. Uh, Big John. I got about 80% of his story. I finished Stan and Mitch's as well, which we'll get to them. So uh, Alex, uh, like I said, he graded on me for a bit, and I think it's just that uh, it, it was so obvious where they were going with it because... He is uh, being swept up by this uh, violent faction within the Black Brigade. And he has the naivety of a teenager, actually pretty accurately. Yeah. And because, maybe it's just because I didn't encounter Big John enough. Uh, Alex uh, pretty much goes hardcore into, yeah, I'm building a bomb, so what? Which kind of was off-putting to me. Yeah. I found that to be pretty effective, though. It was off-putting, but I think that was the point. Because mm-hmm. it's, look at how look at how these, these guys are, you know, using the teenager. Something that, unless I missed it in a scene, like, that I just didn't get, that's never explicitly stated, is how much all of these groups are exploiting the youth for their own purposes. Well, it seems like, uh, well, uh, he's not one of the main characters that have the story, but... Uh, Robert uh, in the Black Brigade. Uh, it's not said how long he's been doing it, but uh, pretty much he's been using the teenagers to his own ends to make the Black Brigade more violent. Yeah. And when he got a hold of Alex, he was able to exploit his genius and 
pedigree, essentially, to uh, yeah, radicalize them pretty quickly. Yeah. You, you get, like, one shot to try to save Alex. Or at least I did. I got one chance, and I did not have enough time with Big John, I think, to really get a feel for how to react to that. So that might be just the game's randomness uh, hurting me. What are you? What are you talking about? Are you talking about the scene in the big rig where that you talked to Alex on the CB, or a different scene? Uh, there was that, and there was also another one uh, at the wall. And I'm not sure if that's too late or not. I mean, it just felt like I never really had a chance to try to talk Alex down. Yeah, and I'm not well, sure. But I, I, talk, I did talk him down. Did you talk him down? No, he built the bomb. Oh, okay, yeah, I talked him down on the CB radio. I'm not sure if I screwed up there, or if where I got, I, even though I did finish John's story eventually, uh, that happened on, like, run five, and I had seven runs. Uh, that was one of the very first major things that kind of got set into place after Zoe uh, went across the border. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I just got screwed over by randomness or what. But I didn't really feel like I had a way to talk him down. Yeah, I don't know if you can actually talk him down later on. No idea, but I had talked him down. So when I got to the wall at the end of the game, he was um, defusing the bomb. Robert has somebody else. Like, Robert steals his plans, and somebody else builds a bomb, and he's trying to defuse it when you get there. So he's always present. Yeah, see, for me, he uh, built the bomb... And we did talk him down to defuse it. And then John gets shot in the back for his trouble. Yeah. So speaking of uh, shooting him in the back, we have Fanny, Mama Bear. (laughs) Mama Bear. So she is the popo. (laughs) Fanny's character upset me. But that's, I think, Uh, how uh, zealous she is. Yes. I hate... I'm I'm a big ACAB person. Um... Certainly there can be individuals as cops who do, you know, make right decisions sometimes, like, but ultimately I am not, I do not like the police. It's very complicated. If you want to talk to me about it, I'd be happy to have a a discussion and explain my views to anybody listening, but I do not like the police. I do not trust the police. I think they are an extension of the capitalist upper class and are not meant to protect and serve except the rich. So her whole, like, no, I'm one of the good ones. I'm like, doubt. (laughs) F to doubt. And that, that kind of thing happens several times. And there's a couple times where that she makes good decisions. Um, there's one time where she shows up where you're basically have been coerced into providing free labor at this gas station. Yeah. And she shows up and she, damn. Yeah. Uh, you encounter him at the end. Yeah, uh, and he his name like is bacon. his name is Ben, I think. I think so, but that they shave him and then uh, from yeah, uh, essential electroshock therapy and uh, basically wiped his memory from the yeah. sound of it. But you know, she makes a couple of good choices. Like she saves you from being taken to the same fate as that kid. Um, I mean, I suppose you could screw it up if you you know, or a dick to her or something, but at least in my playthrough, she saved me there. And yeah, she, 
she's generous to you one other time. Yeah, but um, also, uh, whatever she gets wrecked, uh, that's the time I got arrested was I saved her, and I got arrested for my trouble. Oh, I didn't save her. I saved the kid, and we ran away. I saved... Uh, the kid saved himself, and I saved her, and uh, I got arrested for my trouble. Yeah. Which that also, you know, kind of spoiled me on her, you guys, right? Yeah. So, I, I did not like that. Also, the um, fact that, you know, I, and I don't even get why she was shooting John at the ending. I don't either. I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if I blinked and missed it, but it just looks like, you know, uh, they're turning to walk away, and she just shoots him in the back. She feels, I, I think, and I don't know if you have to 100% her story for it to be different. I have no idea how you prevent her from killing him. But I got her, her story was about 80% for mine, too, so I missed one or two scenes with her. Yeah, I, got, I got her to about 80-ish percent as well. But in every scene where you had a choice, I did not help her. Like, there's an investigation scene at a motel whether she's trying to track down um, the Yeah, John. I did not help her there. I didn't help her there. I mean, I did it for the money, but I lied. Um, and I, I crossed out John. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, me as the player has this extra game knowledge. And so I, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to cross him out if I get an opportunity to. And there's, there's this lady that approaches you and she's like, don't help the cops. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to. Um, but there's that. I did, she was my first encounter of the game. Um, and it was the scene where that she's on the side of the road with a, a flat tire. Yeah, and basically forces you to fix it, right? Yep, yep. She forces you to fix it um, if you refuse. Apparently, if you're polite to her, she gives you, like, a few bucks and is nice to you. But I did not, mm-hmm. I did not help her willingly. So... Yeah, she's like, I'm one of the good ones. And it's like, I don't think so. Yeah, but the thing is that one of the good ones, especially in this, but kind of in general, is still supporting the corrupted system. Yep. So that that's that's her. And they, they form this trifecta, like, like we said. John has information on Alex's parents because he was in the brigade with them. Yeah, Alex, but, but John keeps kind of stalling on that one because he's worried about... It radicalizing Alex, which radicalizes Alex. Which, that's how I got John, or that's how I got Alex to talk down. Talk down. I convinced John mm-hmm. to give Alex... See, I did not have that option at all. Really? I just had an option to say what his uh, parents' name was, and then it stopped. So I must have not been far enough on a different story. Yeah, and I have no idea what gives you that knowledge, or gives you that access because i was able to tell him to give him information mm-hmm. and he started with the parents names and then i told him to promise to tell him more information and to actually follow through on that promise and he tells like a little story about his parents yeah see i did not have that option at all and then alex you know i was like okay i won't build the bomb he's like but if you don't tell me the next time we we talk he's like no i promise i'll tell you and then Alex knows, like, in, when I saw Alex in later scenes with different characters, he's like, yeah, I found out my parents were, you know, in the brigades and, you know, etc. So, that paid off. Yeah, I had a couple payoffs like that, but it was very fleeting whenever that happened. Like, oh yeah, your voice sounds familiar. And that was about it. Yeah. 
which with the nature of the game, I understand why they don't have more uh, linking like that. But at the same time, you know, it's very frustrating to hear Fanny talk about, you know, not, uh, you know, being worried about her son, seeing pictures of Alex and like, and then later on seeing him talk about ex-mom, which I think that's also what kind of grated on me is how absolutely much of an utter asshole he was to his mom. Yes, I know she's a cop, but she was also, you know, raised him for 10 years. She also seemed like she genuinely loved him. Like, that was the impression I got, was that she genuinely loved him. Yeah, and he was just an utter little bitch to her. I did figure that out immediately, because like I said, I had Fanny for the first scene, my very first scene, where she's like, oh yeah, you know, I got this kid, and he's out on the road too, and and then a couple scenes later, I met Alex, and I'm like, your mom's gonna be Fanny, I bet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, I got uh, Fanny... Way after I met Alex, but yo, know, it's yo, know, uh, they're on the dashboard. His pictures, so right. Yeah, there was one run where I met both of them with the same character, and and I told Fanny that I had met someone who sounded like her son, mm-hmm. and she, you know, she asked me some questions, and it's like basically my response was like I was, you know, I encouraged him to call you. And she was like, oh, he called me, which, I mean, he did in the scene, so. Yeah, see, I never really got a chance to really get him to call her, which was disappointing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that character trio. And then the other character trio, who do you want to start with? I think Sonya. Uh, yeah, let's start with Sonya. That's the first one on my list. Oh, God, I hate her. I also hate Sonya. Uh, we don't learn a lot about her, like, origin story, I guess you could say. She talks about it a little bit, although it's possible I did not 100% her. It's possible yeah, I missed I, it in I a only scene. got her to, like, 80%. Yeah. Uh, but, she is... Uh, you encounter her indirectly through the news broadcast, because she is the anchor on... I can't believe it's not Fox News. Yeah, she's basically pretty Tucker Carlson. Uh, w- without the you know, confused look into the camera. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Only what? Okay, so uh, they also have this thing where when she's off the air, she talks in a very hick-ish accent. She's got a very forced fake southern accent, and, and it's just so cringy. But when she's on the camera, she has her camera TV voice. Yeah, uh, and I, I know where they're going with the yeah, but it just feels so heavy-handed. And along with her story, how... Okay, so uh, her big thing in the story, outside of uh, yeah, being an utter bitch on TV, uh, is that she was at the wall ten years ago, yeah, uh, before the massive power grab. It's not really highlighted exactly how much of a tyrant he was before I he think, used that. Yeah, Tyrak was in power. Yes, he was uh, in power. But it's never made clear how much of a dick he was, how authoritarian he was openly before. Yeah, so uh, she, uh, along with everybody else that died, uh, and you see this a couple times on the clips that they show of the, you know, 10 years ago, she sees this little girl gets Wally Coyote'd by the rocks. And out of everyone, that's the one that, you know, phases her. But then she you know, is 
utterly dismissive to everybody else's suffering and everybody else's uh, pain and misery, you know? Yeah. It's so disassociative, you know? And to... I don't want to say to be fair, because I have problems with this from many angles, but I think they took their best stab at a complicated survival's guilt, PTSD kind of situation. I, I mean, that's seems pretty clear what they're going for. And I have seen people who have had reactions to that, but they didn't do it, or reactions like that, but they didn't do it in a way that was realistic or believable. Like, they t- did, like, a Hollywood interpretation of it as opposed to contacting, you know, somebody doing some research and being like, hey, does this thing actually pan out? How does it work? How can we make this character believable? Yeah, she she feels like a cartoon. So, uh, we, we'll jump to Jared uh, properly here in a little bit, but the big thing is that the uh, that the girl that she watched get pancaked was Jared's daughter. And Jared essentially forgives her and, you know, decides not to kill her, you know, the, you know like the one time he doesn't kill someone, right? Yeah. Outside of the player character. Most of the time. Because it feels like that's easy to screw up in some of his things. He was the, he killed me, and the one time that I had, I had a character die that wasn't that one at the wall, he mm-hmm. killed me. I see. I never got killed by Jared. It felt close a couple times. Yep, he shot me in the fucking face, and my actions directly led to him killing another person. <laughs> so, so that's so he, he heals. He hears uh, Sonya randomly start crying and talk about. Uh, how, uh, uh, how sad it was to watch uh, this person die. Her name was Lola, and it, it just. It, she also, says the, she tried to save her, but she yeah, wasn't able to. Yeah, in the clip that they show, yeah, you know, it doesn't look like she does anything. Yeah, she's just standing there. It's like, what did you try to do? Well, I thought about it. Breathe the rocks away. <laughs> Stare through them and melt them with your cold, dead eyes? Like, it, what was your plan? And the thing is that, okay, so her driver slash bodyguard slash hairdresser uh, is absolutely infatuated with her. And she's willing to let him get killed for a news story, right? Yep, there's a scene where you wind up at a hotel where she's staying at. And she has baited some Black Brigade people to come meet with uh, her bodyguard slash et cetera, et cetera, for information. And they figure out that it's a scam basically immediately because Adam sucks at this. And they take him up to the roof and they threaten to kill him because they spot you. Or like, they know he's wearing a wire or something. And they're like, if you don't give us the camera right now, we're going to kill him. And she's like, don't do it. Let him, you know, keep the camera. It's the story. And I, I chucked the camera out the window. Yeah, same. I even wasn't going to be responsible for his death. Even though kind of uh, disappointed that I didn't, because, or, that I didn't just to see if he does get killed. Well, let's look. I've got the wiki pulled up. You keep t- keep talking while I look. Uh, so, uh, did, uh, was that your last interaction with Sonya? That was my last interaction with Sonya. Okay. Although... I had several others with her. Okay, okay, so... The next one... Uh, well, okay, so... My timing with this was... 
Yeah. Her being stone cold bitch, uh, willing to uh, to sacrifice Adam. Then her randomly crying at the wall. Then her next er interaction I got with her was her getting drunk in the back of her limbo limo, and having this like drug uh, trip hallucination going on, and then she suddenly bitch mode again. It just took it just. It felt really odd. It felt almost like the whole thing with her in the back of the limo should have been far sooner. So you had a hint of, you know, the survivor's guilt then, right? Which yeah. even then, just because of how the game is built, uh, you know, it, she's just going to be reset to her default character, you know, the next time you see her, right? Yeah. Okay, so they don't kill Adam. They make you think that he dies. They push him off the roof, but it just breaks his legs and looks like she like she blames you um, instead of taking the blame for like trying to push you to let him die. She blames you Mm -hmm. and yells at you for it. And then Adam like crawls up into the room and she insults him for being bad at at being a spy. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I see, okay, I see, because if you uh, get this before some of the other stuff where Adam is really important mm-hmm. in terms of, like, her stories, I could see why it would be hard if he died, but this game is not prepared to honor your actions, and we'll, we'll get to that, but, like, this is another example of that, because the yeah. game fucks up non-linear storytelling, but we'll, yeah, we'll so, get there. Uh, so, while we're on Sonya, well, let's go ahead and jump to Jared, since we've mentioned him. So Jared is the creepiest motherfucker in this game. <laughs> uh, he'll pop up pretty much any time you call the taxi. And he's a chain-smoking drunk who wants to essentially kill everyone. Uh, yep. He blames both uh, Sonya for whatever reason uh, and the Black Brigades for his daughter's death. And he's on like a murderous rampage across the countryside uh, to, you know, uh, get his revenge. And he gets off pretty much scot-free no matter what ending you get. Yeah. Jared is interesting. They play that cold psychopath type of, of behavior much closer to the DSM, like the actual sort of diagnosis of psychopathy or sociopathy then like I was really surprised because he's just so unpredictable and sometimes things that you do will will set him off and sometimes they won't like okay so there's a scene where that you run into him at a hotel a lot of things happen at hotels yeah um and you're you go to this hotel, you ask for a room, you know, etc. And you go to sleep for the night. And you like wake it, up and he's sitting there. You wake up and he's sitting there. And he's got a dead body in the closet. You find out. He, like, shove, hives, has you hide in the closet. Dead body. Um, he wants to dispose of the body. And then the hotel manager comes while he's disposing of the body. There's a couple other little things in between here and there. But basically, he's... In the bathroom, disposing of the body. Like, you go to leave, and the hotel manager pops up. And he comes out with the gun, and he points the gun at you. He's hiding behind the door. And 
if you convince the hotel manager to leave, then, you know, you're fine. And you have 60 seconds to just leave the hotel. Mm -hmm. But if you leave the hotel and you run over to the manager, which I did this, you run over to the manager and you tell him that the serial killer's here, call the cops. He pops up out of nowhere, shoots (laughs) the hotel manager dead. And he yells at you. He's like, this is your fault. And my response was, um, like, confused. Like, it's my fault? Question mark. And and he it goes, oh. No, he goes, oh, wait. Yeah, it is your fault. You're right. You're not mad? Okay, well, I guess I'll let you go then. And he just lets you go. Now, I don't know what happens if you stick around. I left immediately. Because I didn't want to have him kill two of my characters. Yeah, uh, I was not. Uh, Jared was the character that I did not fuck around with. I, I honestly did not call taxis because he felt like he was going to end a run very easily. So I just did not want to mess with that. Yeah, but they'll so, still throw you in with them anyway. Because right. Yeah. So there are, I think, three taxi scenes with him. Um. And then there are three or four other scenes that you can just run into randomly. Because the hotel, I had stolen a car and stopped at the hotel. Mm-hmm. I ran into him at a trailer park um, that was the first encounter of one of my runs. Um, I Like, it spawned me at this trailer park where I ran into him. Then there's another encounter with him that is um, out, uh, like, on the road. So, like... I had stolen a car. This is another time I had stolen a car. And he's just standing in the middle of the highway. And you nearly run him over. Um, I did escape from that. But that's a... I, almost every scene that you run into him with, he can kill you. I think there's one where that he won't. Like, you can't be killed with him. But there are several times where it's like, if I fuck that up, he's going to kill me. I ran into him at a bar. I had to make him a mixed drink. Mm-hmm. I fucked that one up. He you, didn't uh, kill me, though. Okay, I got that one right. I got the drink right. There's a list of them I, I, on the wall. Yeah, yeah, I just grabbed the same drink twice. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, yeah. So what What happens if you get his drink wrong? Because he uh, tipped he, me. Uh, he doesn't tip you. That's okay. it. Okay. Uh, but he, he doesn't care. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I think I like, uh, like this character in uh, our previous game club with him. Because I just found out something. What? He was in Disco Elysium. Who is he in Disco Elysium? The reptilian brain. Oh. Uh, and also yeah. the horrific he- necktie. Oh, that's different. <laughs> I mean, he's a voice actor. Of course, obviously, he's got a range, yeah. you know, but... <clears throat> I, I hear the reptilian brain in my head. I hear the similarity. I don't hear it with the tie, but... Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I- I liked Jared. Jared, like, I mean, he's terrified. Like, I didn't like him as a person, right? But I liked his character. Because, again, kind of like with with Alex and kind of like with Sonya, like, I can identify aspects of characters that I have, or of people that I've worked with in real life. And I have worked with a couple of people like this dude. And I was like, okay, you, you got it right on this one. I don't know why you didn't get it right on these other ones, but you got it right on this one. As a character, mm-hmm. I liked him. But, yeah, I I do like him as a character, but also as kind of this force of uncertainty in uh, the game. I did not like him because, yeah, you know, these runs can take a while if you start exploring. 
Yeah. So I just did not want to encounter him and, you know, get shot in the face like you did. Yeah. So let's see. That it was it was watching the Lola tape. Did you re- did you have that encounter with him? Actually, no, I did not have a, so, a Lola tape. That was one of the the taxi cab rides. Um, he sh- he, you know, obviously he picks you up in the cab and you're driving down the road. You engage in some conversation with him, and he shows you that he's got a portable VCR, very high tech for 1996. Yeah. Um, but he shows you that he's got a portable VCR, and then the, there's some car trouble. The uh, the ta- you know trouble with the taxi. So he pulls over to the side of the road. He's fixing the taxi, and you have an opportunity to lean into the front seat of the cab and look at his tapes. And you mm-hmm. can put one in and you can watch it. Uh-oh. And there's there's right. two tapes. One of them is labeled Lola, and the other one is labeled something pineapple. And so I put Lola in because I had, at that point in the story, I hadn't gotten her name. I didn't know who she was. So I put the Lola tape in, and it's footage from the explosion and the avalanche. And when he comes back, he's like, so which one of my tapes did you put in? Like, you know, he's looking at the... That the VCR is like, did you touch my tapes? The VCR is hot. You were watching one. Which one were you watching? And he has said multiple times, like, he hates liars. If he finds out you're lying to him, like, bad things are going to happen. So I told him which tape it was. And he's like, no, that one's private. No one's supposed to watch that. And he just pulls out his gun and he shoots me. Dead. It's like, oh. Oh. Okay. And then later I found out who Lola was. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like for his character, that makes sense. Yeah. So then after that, cause it, it also gives you an opportunity to, to leave when the, when the taxi has car trouble mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, this guy's weird, but I haven't seen him. This was the second encounter I had with him. Cause the first encounter when you're at the trailer park, he like, you have a baseball bat and you smash a, a brigade radio uh, tower. Yeah. And he, um, Tells you as a daughter, and she likes dinosaurs, and it maybe that's it's possible. One the, that's one of the last encounters I had with uh, him. That was my first encounter with him. Um, but then he just tells you to leave. Like you sit down with him afterwards, you have a drink, and then he tells you to leave because he gets angry. He's like, "Leave, kid!" So you run away. So I like I was like, "Well, he's crazy," but I don't know anything about him killing people yet. And then he just unceremoniously shoots you because I'm like, "Well, I don't want to lie to him." Mm-hmm. I don't want to make him mad if I'm honest with me. He's just let him go. But you do have an opportunity to leave, get out of the cab and leave. And I didn't do that. Yeah, I think when that popped up, I may have uh, just left because by that point, you know, uh, it, it was already uh, known that he was cuckoo for cocoa puffs. So, did you get the other taxi encounter where he's got a dead guy in the trunk? Yeah, I did get that one, and I also got the one where he had the live guy in the trunk. Yeah, boy, howdy, he kills a lot of people. Yeah, but he got a nice beach vacation in the end. But uh, so uh, that leaves us with Stan and Mitch. Yeah, Stan and uh, Mitch, our uh, lovable nut jobs, right? Yeah, they're they're the comic relief for the whole thing. They're a pair of criminals who happen to be Sonia's big brothers, but you don't you don't learn that until I mean, pretty much as soon as I heard Sonia's real voice, I thought, oh. They're going to be related. I didn't think sister at first because, right? But I did not put that one together. I did not as see soon that coming. As, as soon as there was such a heavy accent, it was pretty apparent to me that Stan and Mitch were attached. 
Yeah. So they're on essentially a robbery spree, robbing pretty much anything they can uh, for whatever reason. And they're also trying to put together who is sending Sonya these threatening letters that's been going on for 10 years now. And they've been getting more and more explicit. (laughs) Yeah. And they're trying to stop Jared. And in my game, they didn't figure out where he was going to attack. But they figured out when. So one of the last encounters I had with them uh, was them uh, taking a lot of Jared's notes. Uh, this was after the, uh, you know, stopping uh, uh, his attack at the wall. You know, having second thoughts. Yeah. And he gets uh, uh, beat up by Stan and Mitch uh, and leaves a bunch of stuff behind. And they don't realize that, uh, well, he's not going to attack her now because, right? Yeah. So they're still trying to figure it out. And I had an option at one point to tell them where he was going to attack. But honestly, I wanted Sonya dead, so. Right? <laughs> yeah. So but, now with, with them, I got I was able to tell them the where and the when. But not who, not what he looked like. Like, we didn't figure that out. Uh, he, they figured that one out, I think, on their own in my game. Or were able to piece it together. Uh, because they had a picture of him. It was rather blurry, but yeah, it was close enough. And uh, they didn't have a where, but I was able to give them a win, which it was pretty obvious, which yeah, t- kind of tells you just you know how many brain cells they have working together between the two of them, right? Yeah. I mean, they, I do like them. It was a nice break of you know, kind of the serious tone, especially... You know, getting them immediately after a Jared encounter, right? Yeah. Uh, so they're pretty much always on their motorcycle with a sidecar. And depending on what's going on, you may be trying to evade the law or uh, or just uh, taking their quiz show to uh, find out if you're robbing material. <laughs> Did you do the robberies with them? Because there's uh, no, two... The- Okay, so okay, so they basically coerce you to uh, help them. Yes, uh, but you, uh, <coughs> but you never, you know, actually join them. No, you don't join up with them afterwards. But I, so I helped them rob the the taxi company. Yeah, I did um, that, and also the, helped them rob a diner. I did that as well. I helped them rob the diner, and I was able to get the money from the guy that was having heart problems and. I did too. Although I don't know what I did. I just kept asking him over and over again. Uh, basically, I <laughs> left him alone for a few seconds and came back after I you know, did a round of the room, you know, stuff with the piggy. Yeah. And by a piggy, I don't mean Fanny. No. It's literally a piggy bank. And they decided to keep it as a memento. <laughs> yep. And it showed up for me in a later scene. Yeah, it was at their hideout. That was the last scene I had with them. Yeah. The the last scene I had with them was I was in their sidecar. Like, mm-hmm. the scene started with me in their sidecar. Yeah, and the last the, uh... scene I had with them was at their hideout. Mm-hmm. This was the last run I had uh, before the big time skip. Yep. 
where they steal yeah, your like, money, but then if yeah. you f- help them, they give you your money back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, that, I like Sam and Mitch. Was, yeah, at, at that point, I may as well help them because I do... You know, Sonya, unfortunately, was not going to get killed. What? <laughs> yeah. Stan and Mitch! Yeah, I would love to just see a series with, uh, of those two's misadventures. Oh, they would be the best! Every time they showed up, I was so happy. Yeah, and they're utterly clueless. It, it kind of reminds me almost it's like Dumb and Dumber, you know? Yeah, if Dumb and Dumber were criminals. What do you mean, if? Well, if they were purposefully robbing banks and shit all the time. But yeah. So that's that's the three sort of character groupings. Zoe, and then three and three. And yes, Zoe's interconnected with um, one of the other storylines, but there's so much. Like, we cannot go scene by scene mm-hmm. for every character in this yeah, game. Yeah, because every run is, I would say, five to <clears throat> eight uh, vignettes. Yeah. And, like, 95% of them involve at least one of the characters, if not multiple. Yeah. Although there was a couple ones that did not really impact the overarching story, which was a little bit of a disappointment whenever I was wanting, like, okay, well, I'm getting close to the end of this story, right? Yeah. Like the the couple that uh, kind of uh, then broke apart. The couple that what? I had one vignette that didn't involve anyone. It was about a couple that met while they were uh, out hiking, uh, got married, and then realized they were growing apart and went their separate ways as just a one-off vignette. I did not get that. Yeah, it felt weird that it was like this one, you know, one-off thing. And I also had like a ghost story show up as well. I did not get a ghost story. Uh, so uh, it was a, an abandoned diner, and I had an option to immediately just leave, but I decided, eh, well, let, let's see what this is. And after moving a generator into place, uh, it ha- there's a note on the uh, uh, counter of this abandoned diner. Uh, a lot of uh, things happen to diners too in this store in this game too, huh? Yes, a lot of diners and gas stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about how. Uh, uh, the, my diners uh, uh, failed. I've uh, lost employees one at a uh, time over over the years, and uh, and then finally one of my employees uh, told me why. Whatever you do, do not look out the window of the employee room. Just leave, and and that got my curiosity. What can I say? So, uh, eventually moved a generator to place to, uh. Uh, refuel it, uh, get the power back on, and basically it does like a little mini jump scare of, it looked like Robert from the Black Brigade just stayed there staring. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just like this silhouette. So, yeah, I just it it felt like a wasted opportunity. You know? Yeah. Uh, But that's well, one other thing we didn't talk about is progression for the character or characters uh, through the abilities that you eventually get. Which I was about to talk about oh, as okay. part of my sort of video game <laughs> where the, where this game really falls apart. There's a lot of okay, there there's a lot of story stuff to follow, and there are a lot of things that probably wouldn't be as big of a deal for me if it was like much more of just a story focused experience experimenting with nonlinear storytelling and games and etc. Fine. But 
because they tried to also make it kind of video gamey in some ways, I think it messes up the storytelling experience in, in more than one way. One of those ways is that you get these abilities as you play through um, and essentially complete sort of, I guess you could say certain scenes or milestones with characters. There's six. Now, I did not get all six in my in my one playthrough, in my, you know, seven teen runs. Oh, see, I did, I did get all six. I got five of them. I got the lock picking. Okay, so here's what they are. They're lock picking, um, lucky star, cleverness, a government pass, omen vitality, and hacking. Lock picking you get from Stan and Mitch. If you do the um, the taxi or the cab, or, you know, for completing the cab heist thing. Yeah. Lucky star you get from Sonia. Um, from the uh, there's a scene where that you help her film a speech that the oil minister is giving because her cameraman didn't show up or quit his job or something. Yeah. So if, uh, yeah, there was a lot of pictures of asses there, and then there was Sonia. <laughs> yeah. Um, then you get cleverness, which you get that from Jared if you survive one of his encounters where he can kill you. Um, government pass. There's a scene with Fanny where that you guys like do a car chase. And she winds up leaving, um, like, her government issue ID, thinking that it gives you government pass. You get something called Omen Vitality, which I did not get, because I did not get that that, scene with John. Yeah, that's from Big John. I got that in my first run, and that was my first encounter with Big John. Uh, It gives two extra bars of energy to the uh, player character, which allows you to not die as easily uh, from just exhaustion. Yep. And then there's hacking, which you get that from a scene with Alex. Mm-hmm. So these, all of these abilities ruin, and I can't believe I'm going to say this for a single player storytelling game, ruin the balance of the game. Pretty, one of them, <clears throat> not so much, pretty situationally useful. But by the time you have it, I had five. I never got vitality, but by the time I had even like lock, luck, lock picking, lucky star, and hacking, and it completely changed the way I approached runs in such a way that I had to purposefully not do certain things because lock picking and hacking almost always will get you into areas that can give you car keys where you can steal a car mm-hmm. and can also get you lots of money. <clears throat> which takes a lot of the challenge out of balancing that energy resource, which um, er- just about everything that you do requires some energy. And whether right, you to know, go to the next vignette, to go to the next vignette. Yeah. Walking down the street, um, driving even. Cause it's like, you know, represents like you're doing stuff. You get tired. Mm-hmm. The more strenuous of a thing you do, the yeah, more tired you get. If you're taking public transportation, either, you know, uh, Jared's at, uh, Kill, ta- uh, kill a cab or the bus, it costs money instead of energy, though. And actually, sometimes yeah. it does both. Yeah, true. Um, uh, well, the bus is usually the safer bet. Yeah. Uh, and you get a chance to sleep most of the time, which will regenerate your energy. But I got Omen Vitality on my first run, along with hacking and I think cleverness. And at that point, the energy system may as well not existed outside of... Okay, so at the start of each run after the first, you have a choice of three kids. 
and it's short of uh, as long as I don't pick the one that you know, has like two health, right? Yeah. Uh, health was never, or energy was never an issue. But that feels more because of the open vitality, which gives you two bars to your maximum. And it's often easy to get those uh, energy bars up. And it was so, well, I mean, when you have money, it's easy as well, because you can use vending, you, you replenish your energy with resting, food, and drink. And you can, anytime you show up to a hotel, there is uh, rooms, and usually like a vending machine or something, any diner you go to, um, most of the gas stations, like I could just buy, or even find like with the lock picking or with the hacking where you could crack open safes. The energy system became pointless. And because I was stealing so many cars, I realized that I pretty quickly exhausted all the scenes that you can get from having a stolen car. So every time I stole a car, it would just play a scene where then I'm driving in the car, listening to some music. You could find sometimes food or money in the car and tapes. You could get random tapes doing this. But mm-hmm. you would just be in the car... You'd do that, and then you'd go to the next scene. Um, so you would you would lose like several opportunities to generate specific scenes because, like you said at the beginning, there is a little bit of luck. There's a little bit of randomness, but certain scenes will only trigger when you do certain modes of transportation: walking, public transit, taxi cab, stealing car. And so, I had to just completely change the way I was approaching the game because I was regularly every kid was having a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars every every time I got to the to the cave. Yeah, which, um, well, which we haven't really talked about, but uh, basically all the end uh, uh, the end of all the journeys, apart from ones that you die or uh, get arrested before you get to the end, and in this one cave that goes onto the border and then shenanigans happen. Yeah. So that was frustrating. The the best the only thing about them that I thought was like overall a net positive, but there had to be other ways you could do it, is that they unlock ways for you to get across the border. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, like getting cleverness allows you to take the offshore workers exam. Yep. Um, if you have Lucky Star, it lets you bypass the first, uh, sort of challenge for being smuggled across the border. Yeah, see, um, I, my first time around, I took the going under the trucks, and that was nerve-wracking. Yeah, I did that as well. I did that for the first time. I'm not sure if that's a, uh, you have to do it that way, but I just happened to have everything I needed to do it, and I yeah. got across. Then, honestly, all the other times I crossed the border, minus the one with Zoe, were kind of a letdown. <laughs> like, going over the mountain peak? I did not do that one because I didn't have Omen Vitality. See, I had Omen Vitality, so I was able to go across the mountain peak. And it was essentially just a, uh, are you uh, maxed out on your energy? Or I shouldn't say even maxed out. If you were over, like, half energy, you made it. I think there was, like, one point where there was, like, a dice roll to do a jump. And it was, like, a 75% chance to land it. I'm not sure what would happen if you failed it. I'm assuming fall to your death, but, right? Yeah. So, getting across the border while we're talking about this. 
there's the truck, there's Omen Vi- or there's going across the mountain. Mm-hmm. There's the offshore workers exam, which is you yeah. you walk down to the border guard and you tell him you're here mm-hmm. to take the exam. You have to have cleverness for that. Yeah. And you basically just take a very simple quiz to make yeah. sure you were paying attention to what <laughs> they told you. And there's one question where they're like at the end where they're like, Do you have any questions? And you're like, No, I you can ask questions. But the correct response is to say, no, I don't have any questions. And they're like, good, don't ever question authority. <laughs> and then they send you on your way. Uh, but there's that. I did that. There is the smuggler's ring, which, like I said, you you can yeah. do that without Lucky Stars. But Lucky Stars lets you bypass the first part of it, which you have to have 50 bucks for the first part and 100 bucks for the second. Mm-hmm. And Lucky Star lets you bypass the first part. But I didn't have 100 bucks for the second one. So she smuggled me partway across the border and then when i couldn't pay the lady the hundred bucks she um left me there and so i had to wander across the border by myself and we got i ran into another kid and we got chased by some border guards and then he helped me get across the wall and he got shot and killed whoops yeah whoops um there's some underground tunnels that you can go to or go through um, and I did it, not do the tunnels. You have to have lock picking or hacking for that one. I don't remember um, the tunnel. If you have both, the tunnel is a breeze. But you have to have at least one of them to start the tunnel. But I went through the underground tunnel because it, you can either hack the door open or you can pick the lock. And then once you get inside, um, if you have both methods, then you essentially can go through the tunnel. You meet this guy who's trying to help his kid smuggle or help smuggle his kids across the border. Um, and then uh, you get to a security room. And you actually might not be able to do it if you don't have both. You have to hack a door, and then you have to escape, and you have the uh, you, you can pick a lock, which lets you just get away. Otherwise, I think they chase you. But I did that, and then you can walk down... I didn't do this one, so I don't know exactly how it works, but I had a couple of characters tell me, like, oh, yeah, if you just walk down to the border guard, if you, you know, can bribe them or sweet-talk them, they'll just let you cross. But I never tried to do that, so I don't know. Yeah, I didn't try that one. I'm trying to think of what other ones I did, because it kind of all blurs together, honestly. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So, there... I'm trying to find it on here, because... Supposedly there's a breakdown on this site, but I don't see it. I did leave uh, money for uh, other people as well, occasionally. I did that every time after the first Mm. couple of runs. Like I said, I I would get to the end of the run, and I would have 150 bucks. And there's a guy that sells food and drink just before you go across the border. Mm -hmm. So if I happen to get there and not have max energy, I'd keep enough to buy those two things. I mean, honestly, once you got a couple of abilities, uh, it almost felt like, unless the game just sticks you over with your choices. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm not sure how, even uh, still thinking about it, I'm not sure how I feel about the game, because it feels so ham-fisted at times, and at other times there's some genuine uh, touching uh, storytelling. Uh, Hearing John uh, being very apprehensive about uh you know letting his guard down especially to a cop right <laughs> yeah. never mind never mind the fact that right uh it's the fact that 
you know, he, he's been hurt quite a bit, and uh, Ido's things are about to come to a head, one way or another, right? Yeah. So just looking at these, that's that's actually all of them. There's oh, okay. All of the, all the border crossings. That's all of them. That you actually can't. So what I was think, like what I was saying, must have been them referring to taking the exam, because there's the smuggler, which you know I mentioned yeah, I did sneak, sneaking out of the back of a truck, crossing yeah, the mountain, so. doing the exam, mm-hmm. and then the tunnels, um, and then escaping with Zoe if you yes. choose to escape instead of helping Zoe escape. Yeah, uh, Zoe is a special case, so I did do Zoe, so I did not do the tunnels. Yeah. So that's the one I did not get. Okay, so what this, and, and now I'm looking at it, the, with the secret tunnels, if you don't have hacking at the end, it, um, instead of just being able to escape, you uh, you have to try to find a key card before the guards catch you. Oh, fun, right? Yeah. Uh, and it looks like if you leave Zoe to die, the secret documents are still smuggled out of the country. Somehow, right? So it's another one of those false dichotomies. So, I have mixed feelings about this game. It mm-hmm. is trying to do something big. It's trying to cover some very large, difficult topics uh, about oppression, about democracy, about police violence, um, about I'm what sure it means. Innocent people in the back. About what? Yeah, about what it means to be a, a, a teenager and what kind of influence you may or may not have that you feel that you do or don't have trying to prove that young people still have power. Um, And I don't know how much I agree or disagree with those messages specifically, but it's trying and I will, I give it credit for that. Um, Sometimes, like you said, it gets it very right. Sometimes as we've discussed, it gets it very wrong. Um, I think that it would have been better off if it was a purely or almost purely linear experience with how it was presented. They are unwilling to allow the player's choices to be hard final choices. Yeah, it looks because, like... Uh, well, sorry, I was uh, I, I did see something just now. It looks like the only character that has a set path is Zoe. All the other ones, depending on how you encounter the next vignette can have different uh, story beats pop up at different times. So that does explain uh, why you didn't take Jared seriously right away, because, right? Yeah. But, you know, they're unwilling to to commit to hard choices. And I, I get to, you know, to the ability that I can kind of recognize it. It would be a lot of work to account for all of those potential player decisions and choices. You'd have to record a lot of extra dialogue, do a lot of extra animations, you know, that might never be or only barely be seen. But playing this on the back of Disco Elysium, which did take the time to do all of that, that's extremely glaringly obvious. And I find it frustrating in a game that's trying to give some big ideas about the choices that you make mattering, not actually honoring that. Um, the dissonance there is frustrating. So it tries, and I give it a lot of credit for trying, and when it gets it right, it feels 
real. It feels impactful. But when it gets it wrong, it's like... It feels very wrong. It feels very wrong, yes. So, I don't know. I probably would give this game, like, B-, and the only reason it gets above a C- plus to a B- is that I'm giving it a few extra points, that kind of X factor for the fact that it really tried to do something that we don't see all that often. Um, I'm glad I played this on Game Pass. I think yeah. I would be upset if I had paid money for it, specifically. Yeah, it so feels like one of those games that after you get see the ending, uh, I don't think the ending would really change all that much if you get the different ones. Yeah. And just b- because of how the game handles uh, you know, your options that you even see, I'm not even sure if it's possible to essentially have a choice of your ending. What do you mean? Uh, if uh, you could even... <laughs> impact enough to uh okay i I should take that back i I think you have enough impact on seeing the different three primary flavors but seeing uh have enough impact to feel like you had or have enough interactions with the different characters to feel like you had an impact in the overarching story uh see uh see how uh, where you interact with Alex in the right order, in the right, in enough times to be able to talk him down while I really do not feel like I had a chance to, which set me on a very particular path, which was a more radicalized Black Brigade, which pretty much uh, was a death sentence to John. Yeah. Which I and know that's... is a minor plot point in the overarching ending, but, right? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, especially, you know, when I mean, like, them trying to sort of gamify this actually hurts the story experience. Unless, I mean, the only other way that that it would work is that if you make it intended to be a one playthrough thing instead of a multiple playthroughs thing, Mm -hmm. and you do not let the final scene play, or that the final scenario play out until you have 100%ed all of the other character stories. Because I agree with you. I think that just depending on, you know, how good or how bad your luck is, you may not um, be able to feel like you could even make an impact on something. And in real life, absolutely. That's how real life works. But this is not real life. This is video games. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you're going to use a video game to tell your story and treat it like a video game then I feel like you need to honor that. That's what makes the the medium of video games, you know, sets it apart. So if you're going to make it an interactive experience, you have to have the interactivity pay off. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess one, the last thing we haven't really talked about, other than like the big three sort of endings, anarchy or the, the, the revolution, democracy winning, or tyranny slash fascism continuing. Like, the endings you can get are the minor bits and pieces can change based on what you've done. Obviously, we've already pointed out that, you know, we had endings where John died in both of them, but I had a non-radicalized Alex, whereas you had a radicalized Alex. Yeah. Um, And I know, but just because people talked about it, that there was an ending where John and Fanny uh, and Alex flee the country together. They Mm -hmm. stay together, they flee the country. So... Um, did Zoe live or die? Uh, Zoe died. Pretty much everybody died at the wall except Alex and Fanny. 
Uh, whenever Zoe... they ha- whenever they, they had the uh, Zoe come uh, back across the border to join the fight, yeah, uh, they opened fire and killed everyone in the crowd around Alex. So yeah, he's gonna uh, he's gonna have a drinking problem in the future. Yeah, Zoe lived in my story. Although the same scene played out, they shot and and killed like everyone else, but like Zoe and Alex like huddle up and they shield together. Yeah, in my cutscene, they pretty much kill Zoe right away. Also, I'm pretty sure they shot her in the back. What is it with shooting people in the back in this game? Did you stay and fight, or did you flee? Uh, I stayed and fight. Okay, yeah, I did too. I don't know if it even plays any of that if you flee. But uh, but uh, th- then, uh, yeah, after she dies, uh, she talks about how... Uh, well, we said, hey, uh, our country. No, you're fucking dead. <laughs> yeah, you died. But yeah, I got the, the democracy wins ending. Yeah, I got democracy wins. Uh, four is won by a landslide on mine. Mine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, yes, the, the violence at the border spurred everyone to get out and vote. I... I thought that was supposed to happen on election day. Like, literally on election day. Yeah. I I uh I I used to be a big believer in electoralism, but not so much anymore. Besides, if Tyrek was over the top fascist, as they say, you really think that uh, uh he would lose the vote? That, that's kind of the other thing, right? Uh, there's not going to be a free and fair election with a tyrant. Yep. See, uh, let's pick a country almost at random. Russia, right? Yeah. So there was I, there's there's yeah, some other stuff in the ending. Yeah, the, yeah, there's some plot holes here that I think uh, brings it down to a C plus for me. Uh, just the the whole like second storyline with Sonya and Jared feels very forced, very bumpy. I'm not sure if it's just because I did not have enough encounters with Jared or... Well, I I mean, I finished with Stan and Mitch, but I did finish that after the stand-down, which I'm not sure how I'd be able to do that otherwise, right? Yeah. The, um... It feels... Their story feels superfluous. Sam and Mitch, Sonya, Jared. Their, Their, you know, entertaining story feels superfluous. I don't know if they were like, no, we gotta have some comical relief. We gotta have this like, you know, these two wacky guys and their their dipshit sister, who's who's you know a classist racist and like the serial killer. Like, it, let the let those ideas go. Flush out the other stuff more, or just trim the game up. You know, tighten the game up. Or even if you needed, uh, you know, some comic relief to kind of break things up. Make them just, you know, the added thing and not have tied into this other second B story. And I think that's also the kind of the other thing is that, you know, there's this big buildup about, you know, Jared uh, uh, going to kill Sonya. And he just immediately is like, eh. Okay, I'm just going to kill the Black Brigade now. Mm -hmm. It it just was such a deflating moment. I mean, you kind of hinted at uh, to me that there was this you know, redeeming moment for Sonya where they were trying it. And I don't even see it as a redeeming moment. I see it as a backpedal on what they were uh, promising. 
you know, they were promising this big violent clash and she did not see it coming. She was arrogant about the entire time. And if they wanted to have it where the player had some sort of agency in the direction of that storyline, fine. But have it completely play out in a cutscene. I just felt like it took the teeth out of the story. Yeah. I'd be fine with keeping Stan and Mitch. They, you could tr- easily drop Sonya. You could easily drop Jared. Jared has no impact on the other story, really, at all. As far nope. as I can tell. Nope. Even though he talks about how he's going to go murder the Black Brigade now, he never shows up again. He never me. shows up in that capacity. I had another Jared scene? Maybe two Jared scenes after that moment? But, like, he never shows up in anybody else's story ever again. He never has anything to to add to the main plot. He's just done. Yeah, which, like I said, uh, feels like it just kind of took the wind out of that storyline. Uh, where's the stakes whenever, you know, uh, your big bad murderer decides, eh, okay, I guess I can let you live. No murdering today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all murdered out. I, I murdered twice yesterday. I'm full. Already got a huge pot of beef stew. I don't need another one right now. <laughs> Wink. Uh, so I would say it's definitely worth a play on Game Pass. I, I just or deep, deep discount if you're into this or a game. I just do not see this as as a twenty buck game. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, though, watch a let's play. Mm-hmm. Or you hell, get. Uh, I would say. Uh, a uh, Road uh, 96 the movie version where somebody would go through and uh, splice all the uh, story bits together. Yeah. That would make a a, a, a more interesting one to me. I mean, you could easily uh, tie two movies together uh, in the different interactions. Maybe three. But yeah, just uh, didn't do it for me. So, uh, are oh, we shit. done with this? Eight one? hours. Road ninety six. All co- all cutscenes. The movie. We'll <laughs> walk through eight hours, two minutes. Seems about right, actually. Uh, I think my gameplay time. Well, to be fair, I left the game running a couple times while I did other things. I'm at nine hours forty six minutes, which includes uh, starting a run in game plus mode. And then realizing that they're going to do all the character introductions again. Which, eh, right? Yeah. Where does it say? Can you, I, know, I remember you can Okay, you can so you can look time, at right? uh, It's under achievements. Okie dokie. Uh, if you go to the game, uh, click on achievements. Yeah, I got it. Ooh. I played for a lot longer than you did. Interesting. I, according to this, I don't know if this is right. I guess it would be. 17 hours, 49 minutes. Maybe you left it like running it, at some point? I probably did. I probably left it running. Oh, that's right. I fell, I fell asleep Saturday evening. Um, I, I left the game running. I went to go talk to Katie. She was like, lay down, snuggle. And then I fell asleep. So it ran all night. Yeah. It's probably 9 to 10 hours that I actually played. I mean, like I said, I got to an ending, and how long to beat puts that at about eight hours ish. So I it did feel it feels about right. Uh, my playtime. 
I got 11 out of 12 achievements. A light in the darkness below the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's from the trailer park. I did not get that. I didn't get that. I didn't get campaign founder. That That's one thing. I never really called in numbers. Uh, you have the option to do that. And I never really did that. I called all of them that I mm-hmm. can find. Most of them are stupid and pointless. Oh, really? You can call all of the helplines, or all the hotlines, where they're like... Because throughout the, the game, there's posters with, like, the, the truck and, you know, offering reward money for information on the Black Brigades and stuff with phone numbers on them. You can call the posters, but, you know, basically you just swear at the lady who answers the phone. It doesn't let you actually try to turn in anybody for money or anything. And then... um you call the campaign finance hotlines and they give you like a snippet of information about the candidate, which is obviously, you know, just their print copy essentially. That's like, yeah, our candidate's great. They're going to do X, Y, and Z. And you can donate to the, the campaigns, one or both of them. Yeah, that's an achievement, which I don't, I do not have. I got that one. You can call home. Um, I tried that a couple times and I just didn't get a, uh, an answer. So there are different. I, and I don't know if it make like if there's a way to influence the phone calls, but um, I had one conversation with my dad where that you know it's very clear that you know the line is tapped and he's being your conversation is being listened to. Um, so you can choose to just be like, I don't understand. What are you talking about? I'm heading for the border, or you can play along like because you get what's going on. There was one of those. There was one where that it went. Um, it was like, this line has been disconnected. Yeah, I got then, that one. Another one that I called, and a lady picks up, and she's like, oh, the people who used to live here were arrested, sweetie. And then there was I'll one try. where that there was, yeah. And there was one where that a cop was listening, like he was there in the room, and when they were talking on the phone, he, um, he butts in and he's like, you're talking to your kid, aren't you? And like, you can choose to kind of taunt the cop, or you can hang up the phone. But I hung up the phone immediately and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it. I think that's all the phone calls home that I got. There might be more, mm-hmm. but I got those. Yeah, the ones I got basically were like just busy signal on disconnected. I never got any actual dialogue, so I eventually just gave up trying. Yeah. So, yeah. B- minus from me, C- plus from you. We both would recommend if you could play it on Game Pass or get it for a deep, deep discount. Mm-hmm. Why don't uh, why don't you tell the people what our next Game Club game is? Well, our next one is also a uh, Game Pass uh, game. It is Ori in the Blind Forest Definitive Edition. So mm-hmm. we had to shuffle things around a little bit, which we'll get into that one. And this is uh, Ori in the Blind Forest is one of the older indie darlings. So we'll see just how it handles, right? Yeah. The original release date to- was way back in uh, uh, the future year 2016. Yep. Kind of when uh, indie games really were uh, in their, like, their renaissance, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I feel old. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing for mm-hmm. next month. March. So, shall we have our discussion? We shall. We shall. So, oh boy. Kerbal Space Program 2. I mean, I, you know, I'm just 
to to be safe, to not operate under the assumption, the podcast where you and I met and several members of our community met was for Kerbal Space Program. It was called KerbalCast. And we were contributors to the show, and we built little communities outside of it. And then when that show went belly up, we started doing video game logic. Yeah, I'm running out of the assumption that Taylor Swift got a hold of Biff. (laughs) Yeah, but we started doing this show. Or Biff's hiding from Taylor Swift. Could be both. He could have got her, or she could have got him, and then he escaped, and now he's hiding. Uh, He's locked in in the basement. But... So yeah, we all met kind of through this other podcast, um, but it was about the video game Kerbal Space Program. And you and I love KSP. We've played KSP, modded, unmodded, hundreds of hours apiece, maybe even into, you know, thousand or more territory for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my main save file was a modded version that was copied outside of Steam. So I have 300-some hours in Steam, and my main save file does not contribute to that at all. <laughs> right. Uh, according to this, 300, uh, actually, 333.4. So I easily, uh, it would be, uh, well, it's already one of my top games, but it would easily be in, like, the top three playtime Yeah. Wise. So... We've both been looking forward to Kerbal Space Program 2. I think that's fair to say, right? For years! Yeah, this has been on active development for four or five years and three years since the announcement and been delayed for all that time. It was originally supposed to be released in the future year 2020. Then uh, there, there's so much uh, hearsay and second uh, 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 hand stories about what happened to the original developers uh, that uh, essentially the first development team was bought out by Take-Two and formed a new development studio to build KSP2. There are some rumors that saying that uh, they were uh, in the process of selling and they were wanting too much uh, and they just uh, hired the employees underneath the owner of the company. Or yeah, there's, like I said, there's a lot of backhanded stuff going on to begin with. All right. Yeah. So, uh, 2020 didn't happen. Then they delayed it to 2021. 2021 did not happen. Delayed it again to late 2022, and then finally it released in. Uh, this state. Uh, Released in massive air quotes? <laughs> well, technically it's out. Uh, yeah. Okay. I look at this game, and it's pretty. It's very pretty. They uh, obviously spent a long time on art design. I don't know where they spent time on uh, game design, because, damn, it just feels so for the amount of uh, development time it's had. Now, there have been some possible uh, data mining going into this game showing that there's a lot more uh, systems partially built into the game and just disabled and not fully fleshed out. 
the Kerbal Space Program subreddit has been doing some deep dives into the code, showing like there's uh, a partial bottle of an Orion uh, engine. Uh, and for those who don't know, that's a rocket engine that uses nuclear bombs to push it. You see it actually in the trailer. Uh, there's uh, hints that the colonization system is partly uh, 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 coded and partly working. There's uh, already hooks built in for the multiplayer systems. Uh, there's uh, stuff here and there, but they decided to do like this vertical slice and cut out everything and just do sandbox mode. And it feels insulting at the price that they do it at. Yeah. It feels like just an utter insult. And yes, yes, I know. I had a friend send this to me. But that doesn't mean I can't just take a look at the price and go, damn. Right? Yeah. I am uh, just thinking for a moment. Um, there were there were a couple of videos that I watched that you had yeah. sent to me. Yeah. There are I, a I, lot... I, I, I tried to balance it out because... There's a lot of videos out there criticizing it. There's so, so I tried to send you one that was at least somewhat glowing. Having not played it, there's only so much that I can comment on from what I've seen. Now, you know, I believe that these things are true, the things that I've seen that, that you know, and obviously you and I have discussed a bunch of stuff about this already. But it's just it would be one thing if KSP2 released basically exactly how ksp1 was when it finished development and it's just like you know we kept the game the same but shinier Mm -hmm. i mean i'm not a big but shinier fan but okay fair enough but the fact that it's releasing worse with missing features from the first game and with many of the features that it does have or does share they're worse or just non-functional yeah, uh, a good example of this how slapdash it feels would be the uh, reentry system. There's no reentry heat right now. There's no reentry effects right now outside of just yeah the uh, uh, the compression uh, uh, effect, uh, you know, like a vapor trail. Yeah, but. Because there's no re-entry heat, why do I need the heat shields that are also in the game? Right? Yeah. I don't... What are you... And Like, you've already been talking about stuff, right? So if, if one of these things... Or if this thing is... You've already said, like, fair enough. But, like, what's the thing that you're like, this is the worst thing for me. This is the thing that, like, really, you know, has to change. Uh, Flying the rockets. Okay. And, and that's... It's not just a dick at the performance. What's... Which the performance in this game is utter dog shit. All right, it's one thing to say. Well, it doesn't matter that much because the fr- yeah because KSP one also had frame rate issues, but the maneuver node system is incredibly frustrating. Okay, so KSP one eventually had a way to precisely build maneuver nodes and to plan them out into the future. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I actually went back today in KSP1 to make sure that I wasn't misremembering a modded feature, okay? It was a lot easier with mods, 
but it was still hooked into the actual base game. So the base game, you were able to manually type in the number of, like, Delta V, and also have sliders both on the map and in the UI elements to with uh, various adjustment modif- uh, multipliers to precisely build a maneuver node for wherever, with also a transfer window scheduler to figure out, okay, well, uh, the transfer window for Duna is coming up. I better have a rocket in orbit ready for it, okay? Yeah. Almost none of that is in KSP2 right now. There's no maneuver node planner. Uh, Building maneuver nodes, it's only the click and drag, and you cannot delay a maneuver node to the next orbit. Okay? So... Yeah. It's basically, you're able to, if you're in low carbon orbit, you're planning out a maneuver node that you're going to be doing in under 30 minutes from now, uh, mission time. And because there's no way to precisely uh, go for a maneuver node, anything beyond the carbon system itself, you're going to be looking at wasting a lot of Delta V to make a mid-flight adjustment. And if it's a very minute burn, it's not going to tell you just how long you're going to be burning until you're actually in the middle of that burn. (laughs) Although there are some things about the maneuver system I do like where they don't insist on, like, if you have a 500 Delta V burn, and they're not building the maneuver note on the fact that you're going to be changing 500 Delta V at that second. They do stagger it out, but the maneuver note system is too dumb to realize that I may want to dump a stage and start another uh, engine in the middle of it. While it could still calculate how long I'll need to burn, even though it's not going to tell me that, before I start the maneuver, right? <laughs> and the entire system where it's Okay, so they have a very rudimentary uh, mechanical uh, jab in the in the game, or I, I should say a Kerbal Engineer, where it, in the VAB it'll tell you, okay, your rocket has this much delta V and it has this much thrust to weight, okay? That's the only time it ever tells you your thrust to weight ratio, and it's only on the first stage. KSP-1, it tells you the amount of burn time that you have on every single goddamn stage on that rocket. It tells you the amount of Delta V you have on every single stage, not just the active stage. It tells you your thrust-to-weight ratio on every single stage on your rocket. It does not say that one other time in KSP-2. It makes building rockets in KSP-2 an utter dice roll. And that is the one thing that drives me absolutely insane with this game. I know eventually mods will fix it, but that's a bullshit uh, argument that you use for Bethesda games. This shouldn't be the same argument you're using for Bethesda. This shouldn't be the same argument uh, that you're using for, hell, even KSP1, where you're saying, and oh, it's early access. It's a $50 game. It's releasing at essentially AAA price with a promise that they're raising the price as it goes through early access. Early access on this game is a label and maybe a promise, 
but I've seen too many of these games come out at a high price tag to try to infuse money into a troubled development. And after three years and seeing this release, I think troubled development is a generous tag to give it. And yes, yes, I know COVID. COVID happened. But it makes me really worried about the future of this game. It makes me really worried that they're not going to get down that roadmap. Especially with the system requirements, they're going to be turning away a lot of prospective players. Uh, what was it, like one-third of uh, pl- uh, players on Steam have the minimum requirements, and like 5% have the requ- uh, recommended requirements, something like that? You there? Yeah, I am. Sorry, I got a little distracted. Yeah, I got my rant on. What can I say? Yeah, just lacking the practical experience, it's hard for me to really contribute too much more other than, and like you're hitting on all the points. You're hitting on all the points, all the things that I think we care about the most, at least for our our play styles, our community. Like, you know, the game looks good. Whoop-de-fucking-do. It's busted all the hell. Unplayable. And so many things are tied to the fact that it's just unplayable. I mean, I'm, I can't imagine flying a, a uh, plane this game with just how <laughs> stuttery the game is. And the yeah. fact that, and I'm not sure if that there's actually fine controls in this game. Yeah, where you know instead of uh, whenever you hit WASD, it, instead of doing like full uh, tilt, it does a slow. Uh, I'm I'm not actually sure that there is fine controls. Thinking about it, I didn't be able to trigger them yet. Aren't they just F in KSP one or something like that? Like it was just a button push you could do, turn on and off. Yeah, on the keyboard. I'm not, I'm not sure if I just missed it or if they're even in the game. I could be mistaken on that one. I will uh, admit that one. I'm not 100% certain. But it's just, uh, seeing what this game has done to the community as well, it's just sad. Uh, seeing people go to bat on both sides, saying that it's bullshit, that it's $50, and then people saying, well, it's early access. If you don't like it, don't play it. Right? Yeah. The thing is, is, I mean, they're they're both kind of right, but Mm -hmm. the people who are like, well, it's early access. If you don't like it, don't play it. They're being assholes. Yeah. Okay, so uh, something else that kind of grates me is it's amazing that the UI is both too big and too small at the same time. Uh, The UI loves to throw a lot of little tiny text, uh, but then waste a lot of space. So a good example of this is like, the fuel in your rocket uh, on the various stages, whenever you uh, expand that out, uh, you have a very thin bar and a very tiny text. If you want to have precise amounts of, uh, uh, know how uh, uh, precisely how much fuel you have. But at the same time, the part manager, which is uh, replaced the right-click uh, 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 dialogue window on any part, lists all the parts of your rocket. Yeah. And while they are collapsible, it does not give you an idea of what part you're col- uh, you're uh, interacting with until you do something. Unless there's an option that I missed that, you know, like highlights it. A good example of this was I was launching a comm set after my save corrupted, which I'll get to. And okay. I wanted to uh, uh, blow the... Uh, 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 the fairing, and I had like 
uh, one fairing, and then I had a decorative fairing. Well, I hit the wrong fairing, <laughs> and it clipped into my rocket and destroyed it. Oh, no. And then another time, uh, I hit the wrong stack decoupler because I had my staging wrong, and it wasn't very apparent that I had uh, a couple couplers backwards. So, okay, fine. Uh, there's no way to, at least as far as I could tell, click and drag individual stages. You have to drag individual parts through the stages. Right. Which is also something incredibly frustrating. If you have, like, you know, like three things backwards, you know, it's like, you know, they're playing the shell game. So, fine, I'll just uh, use the DE coupler uh, on the part uh, manager. And I hit the wrong one, and... <laughs> Uh, there goes a uh, you know, a entire stage worth of fuel. Yeah, if there a lot was of a, work. If there was some sort of highlight, uh, assuming that I'm not just missing it, or even a line saying, "Okay, this uh, uh, part is this one," you know, like they had with the right click window on the uh, previous game. Now, I will say that if you have a tumbling rocket, it does make it so that you could still go. You know, uh, change things and move things around. Which, you're going to have tumbling rockets because, hey, Phantom Forces are back! Yay! My very first launch had, like, this corkscrew effect as it launched into orbit. Until I dropped the boosters. And I know those boosters were on straight. Yeah. But there was just something going on where it just did this slow corkscrew and... Uh, and wanted to pull west instead of uh, tilting towards the east, uh, which caused me to lose a lot of uh, fuel in the process. Thankfully, I overbuilt because, you know, I couldn't tell just how much Delta V I actually had because the game kept uh, reshuffling the number. <sighs> and then, uh, well, let's get to the corrupted save. So uh, I got my rocket to orbit, and I... S so, well, I have enough fuel. I could do a flyby mun, and if I do it right, I should be able to uh, get a free return trajectory. All right. Okay. So, uh, do my burn and I quick save, which the game only has like a very light audio cue that you quick saved. All right. There's no like saving uh, uh, tag uh, that pops up. Uh, and I saved just before I swapped to Sphere of Influence to the Mun. Right. Well, I decided I wanted to just, you know, buzz the Mun because I had enough fuel left. I definitely didn't have enough to land. So, you know, I thought I'd just go low altitude, uh, see the uh, textures up close, then uh, revert. Should be simple, right? Yeah. So, did that. Actually, crashed on the Mun, but eh, I went a little too low. Uh, reverted. Uh, uh, did my free return trajectory. Turns out that the shoot I had just wasn't strong enough to uh, be able to deal with a from Mun uh, reentry. I I did a drug shoot, I guess. So yeah. okay, fine. Uh, uh, well, Bill's <clears throat> dead. Uh, and then the game crashed. Okay, fine. Reload the game. Uh, my last save is now by uh, uh, quick save. Uh, load that up, and my rocket now shows it has no fuel. Okay, weird. 
when that quick save was before I swapped uh, Air of Influences to the Mun. Thankfully, I'm still on a re- free return trajectory. So, okay, fine. Bill's still going to die either way. Uh, uh, just fast forward, let him you know, smack into carbon again. Uh, start to build another rocket. Uh, need to go fix dinner. Say, uh, or try to save, I should say. And it wouldn't let me. Okay, well, fine. Uh, quit out. Uh, and, you know, back once again. Uh, the sphere of influence changed going to Mun. This time my rocket is, uh, you know, like at three quarters f- fuel, which was still not the right amount of fuel. I, I should have had like half the tank left. Right. That's when I start to suspect something's gone wrong. So I park Bill into a Mun orbit. It's like, okay, well, we'll just do a rescue mission. Go to the VAB, build a uh, yeah, very simple rocket to just get to orbit uh, with enough Delta V that I should be able to uh, at least catch up to Bill. Yeah. Get launch. It would not go to launch pad. I changed launch pads. There's actually four launch pads plus the runway and a d- boat dock. I tried a ball. It would not launch. Uh, Phil, well, okay. Phil brings up saying that, well, there's uh, sometimes an issue with going to launch that, that you have to save the rocket and reload it. Try saving it. Would not save. I just see my <laughs> auto saves from when I was uh, launching Bill's rocket. So I start digging around on Reddit and find that there's some sort of corruption bug where the if the game crashes at uh, the wrong way, uh, it just uh, yeah messes up your save files to the point where it will not save. It will not delete the save file. I had to go into File Manager and delete the file manually, which makes me hesitant to put a lot of time in the game before a few patches. Right. As you might imagine, right? Which, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, so, uh, uh, let's go into something good the game does, okay? So, we did bring up the game is very pretty. But also, it does ooze charm. Okay, whenever you start up a save file, it has an orientation video, basically talking about KSC and how Kerbals uh, want to, you know, uh, uh, understand space. And yeah. the game brings in a lot of the charm and personality that the videos for KSP1 had. You know, that manic, crazy energy. And they do that really well. And there's that kind of moment you know, before the frame rate takes away all the excitement of, you know, hitting launch and hearing the chatter, uh, essentially built in chatterer. Of uh, you know, hearing the countdown go down, the uh, uh, the this uh, very frantic music building to a crescendo as your rocket launches, and the game, if they could fix my you know incredibly long list of issues and keep some of the charm of it, would be good. But that's a very, very, very big if at this point. I mean, I I mean, uh, even the tutorials, they go really in depth into uh, orbital uh, orbital mechanics and, you know, how rockets actually work for people that 
did not, uh, you know, uh, pray at the altar of Scott Manley, right? So they do, they have uh, spent a lot of time building the game for people, but then they make it frustrating, right? And, and there's other times that the game really uh, uses its charm, like uh, b- uh, before I realized that my save file was broken, uh, hearing uh, uh, essentially the Kerbals going down a checklist as I'm changing sphere of influences to the Mun, you know, uh, almost Apollo-esque, you know, uh, to make sure things are, uh, you know, still flying right. Turns out uh, it wasn't, but that's beside the point. It, it, like I said, it's a very frustrating experience because I, I just look at this game and I do not see three years of development. And if this is three years of development, or three or five years, depending on which version you want to talk here, uh, that roadmap is going to be a very long one. Unless they've disabled a lot of the you know, secondary features to try to get the game playable. But I'm just really worried we're not going to see the end of the roadmap. So, any questions? Hello? Did you fall asleep on me again? Yeah, no, I did not. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to add. I don't have any questions. You answered everything. I don't... I've given my two cents. I'm not gonna buy it until the game gets a massive amount of updates and overhauls. I mean, that 50% on the store page right now, on mixed reviews, I think is saying everything that needs to be said. They they laundered their the good reputation of KSP1 to get money. And regardless of what it was for, whether it was pure greed, whether they had been cut off by the um, you know, the top level publisher, Take Two, or whatever. Laun- they laundered their reputation for money. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm it's gonna be hard fought to get it back. Yeah, and I'm not gonna buy in. Not until it's it's proven to be better, a more complete full game. Yeah, I mean, if you told me, you know, three years ago how utterly disappointed I would be, I would have told you to shut your whore mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, and uh, one other thing I do like is uh, they do have built into the game uh, the ability to repaint and uh, essentially reskin uh, your uh, craft uh, to your agency colors as well. Whenever you build your new save file, you choose your kind of default rocket colors, which does add some personality to it. That's pretty cool. And one of the difficulty sliders, at least for now is uh, adjusting how strong essentially the magnets are for docking. I'm, I'm assuming on that one, I haven't actually gotten a chance to uh, attempt docking yet. Right. Because, right. Yeah. That requires having two ships in orbit mm -hmm. close to each other at the same time. Yeah. And uh, uh, with the unified uh, uh, VAB, so the uh, space plane hangar and the VAB are uh, yeah, they're one and the same now. Uh, it does make it so that you don't have two essentially separate modes for building. Although it does feel like uh, the VAB is more suited for, or at least the controls right now are more suited towards uh, yeah, rovers and airplanes than it is rockets because there's this weird click and hold and drag down instead of the scroll down that it used to have. Yeah. Which made it, yeah, a lot more tactile, you know, 
be able to just scroll down the rocket and easily uh, find where you want to go. But most of the usual suspects are there for the very, very basic rocket parts. And they do have some uh, uh, new ones. Uh, a bigger, badder nuclear engine. That's a and they do have it where you can set your throttle and then start time warping for a extremely long burn for like a Xeon engine. Yeah. So there That's are th- there are things here that uh, yeah do have some promise. Yeah, you know, watching the rocket pl- uh, plume expand as you uh, get uh, higher and higher in the atmosphere is incredibly cool, but. At what cost right now, right? Yeah, those things seem very neat. And if the game was competent, would be nice the, bonuses. The game right now runs like it was coded by the Kerbals. <laughs> and not just the Kerbals. I'm not talking like Val, who seems like in their latest marketing push is like the one competent uh, pilot they have now. I'm talking about they let Jeb in the coding booth. Yeah. That would be uh, disastrous. And I really, really don't like uh, having to uh, shit on the game this much. And I do hope that it can redeem itself. But having the standard now being, well, I hope it can pull a No Man's Sky, it shouldn't be like this. Yeah. Or. Early access should be more like Planet uh, Project Zomboid than No Man's Sky, which I know No Man's Sky wasn't early access. Uh, hear me out here, right? Yeah, it I mean be, uh, Project. Uh, to me, early access should is an iterative process, having at least a decent project or a uh, uh, product, and iterating on it over time. Uh, Satisfactory is another good example, where even the launch version, it didn't feel like you were getting ripped off. Yeah. Satisfactory, Factorio, the first KSP, Space Engineers. Good examples of early access games using that to their advantage. I'm really worried this is turning into space-based DF9. Yeah. It might. I hope not, but it might. So, uh, we did have Bill chiming in, uh, really supporting the game, so... uh, yeah, not everybody's being negative Nancy's at least, right? Yeah, but remember, Phil also liked Cyberpunk when it released, so... Yeah, so that that, that says all you need to know about Phil, right? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm mostly playing. But, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add? I mean, you, you said almost all of it as I yeah. struggle to participate. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm just looking at my <laughs> notes, and boy, do I have notes for this one, right? I have more notes for this than I did uh, at Game Club. Let's be honest. Well, do you have anything else you want to uh, get out? Going, are we ready to... I was just going through this, see if there was anything else. Uh, yeah, I mean, also, well, the fact that it's pegging my GPU and can't even... Uh, 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 that, that's the other... Oh, that's the other thing. Is that, okay, fine. You want to uh, uh, be a very pretty game and... Ha- require a, a lot of uh, resources. Let me frame limit the game without going to the driver level uh, 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 options. It does have a V-Sync option, but there's no ability to limit to like 30 FPS. 
that would smooth out the game so much, to be honest. Yeah. But there's no option for that unless you know it's buried somewhere. That's also right. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure it would run a solid thirty pretty much everywhere outside of just you know a rocket with like ten parts. If there's something going on and it's fuel distribution systems. It seems like once a rocket is pulling from uh, a common source with a few engines, that absolutely tanks the frame rate. If there's more than a few engines firing, that also tra- tanks uh, the frame rate. So there, there's some behind-the-scenes stuff that they definitely need to optimize. And yes, I know, optimization's on the roadmap. It's also the last thing they have on their roadmap. It should not be the last thing they have on their roadmap. They need to take a look at that if they want to have sales. But Yeah. Oof, right? So, yeah, now I'm done. At least for now. I'll, I'll have thoughts in the future. Alrighty. Well, given that it is 12.15, um, <clears throat> excuse me, why don't you uh, go ahead and tell them how they can contact us and, and hit them with them socials. Well, if you wish to you know, send us uh, uh, feedback, uh, tell me uh, to shut my whore mouth, you can do so vglpodcast at gmail.com could tweet us VGL Podcast or to drop by Discord, which a link to that is over at VGLpodcast.podbean.com. Indeed. Where can they find you specifically? Well, if you wish to be my friend on Steam, you can contact me over there, Caffeine Rage. Uh maybe I'll tweet again someday over at Game of CR. I just haven't had the urge to do that. I don't I don't I don't want to uh you know I don't want to support the douche canoe. What can I say? Right. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it these days. Uh, what about you? Well, if you want to find me over on Twitter, you can do so at JMA4707. Uh, tweet some random Battletech stuff. Yesterday, um, I yelled at Marjorie Taylor Green on Twitter today. Oh, um, what did you do now? Uh, made some bullshit up about somebody who yelled at her and yeah, you're gonna have to be more public. specific i know she tweeted some bullshit and i was like ha I, my, my tweet was like lol didn't happen and if it did that person deserves a medal fuck you and then twitter was like are you sure you want to post this tweet i was like yes yes i do you're just trying to get banned now aren't you yeah why not um then uh if you want to want to see me on uh play tabletop games you can do so over at twitch.tv slash that I play a Vampire the Masquerade game a couple times a month with them. Um, I am running the game, rather. And then you can be my friend over on Discord. You can join the server, you can chat, you can talk with me about anything that we've talked about today, or other times. I'm pretty cool, I think. At the very least, I'm chill. Uh, well, I guess we're back to my non-chill ass. <laughs> As we uh, uh, finish up things with once again, if you wish to contact us, VJLPodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related subjects, tweet to us, VJLPodcast, or drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at VJLPodcast.podbean.com. And if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more about that over at Patreon.com slash VJLPodcast. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kim McLeod. 
You can find his work over at Incompetech.com. And... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See ya. Bye-bye.